0: Thank you, and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, the New Testament is clear that Jesus Christ is the Creator, but no place in the New Testament do we find Jesus outright saying He is the Creator. However, several statements He makes relate to the Creator or make claims on behalf of the Creator. Mm -hmm. And so in our program today, you want to look at those passages to see what we can learn from them.
1: Yeah, Scott. It's interesting that passages like John chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, and Hebrews chapter 1 clearly reveal that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was and is the Creator. But Jesus doesn't make that claim while he is on earth. And perhaps it's not surprising, he did claim to be the Messiah and the Son of God, but not very often. In other words, he wasn't regularly divulging his identity to those around
0: him. In fact, it seems like more often he wanted to keep his identity hidden.
1: I wonder why that was so. Well, I think Jesus' response to Peter might give us a clue. When, after Jesus asked the disciples who they thought he was, Peter responded that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. So let's look at that exchange. It's recorded in Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he began asking his disciples, saying, Who do people say that the Son of
0: Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the
1: Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now skip down to verse 20.
0: Then he warned
1: the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. So it seems that Jesus was looking for people to recognize him for who he was by the revelation of God, not by him having to directly tell them, which I think demonstrated a person's willingness to listen to the voice of God in their heart and believe in the word of God that was revealed to them. So likewise, when we think of examples in which Jesus exercised the power of the creator, he did so without saying so. Hmm. A few examples actually occur in the same section in Matthew we just read from. In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus fed the 5,000. And what happened there? He created a whole bunch of bread and fish from just a little bit of bread and fish. (laughs) Exactly. He started with five loaves and two fish. And although we don't know how much in total he created out of that little bit, there were 12 baskets of pieces of food left over. Then later, he did a similar creative miracle that's recorded in chapter 15 of Matthew, the feeding of 4,000. And in between those two accounts of Jesus miraculously multiplying bread and fish, which are product of which days of creation, Scott? Well, let's see. Wheat is a plant.
0: That's day three. And fish were created on day five. Well done. Thank you.
1: And between the two accounts of the day three and day five type miracles, Matthew also records in chapter 14, Jesus walking on the water through a windstorm. Most know the story. Peter then gets out of the boat and walks on the water, too. For a few steps, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, for a few steps. But when Peter gets distracted by the waves and starts sinking, Jesus grabs a hold of him and says, "Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Then what happens? Well, let's read Matthew 14, 32. And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, You are certainly God's son. So here's one of those examples. Jesus didn't have to tell them who he was. They recognized him because of what he did. He demonstrated his power and control over creation. Their response reminds me of another
0: time Jesus showed his control of fish Hmm. when the disciples caught nothing all night and Jesus told them to cast their nets on the other side of the boat. (laughs) When they hauled in so many fish that the boat started sinking, Peter confessed that he was a sinful man
1: and did not deserve to be in the presence of Jesus. One of the things I think is especially interesting about that is those disciples, including Peter, were fishermen by trade. True, And so they knew the significance of what had happened. It was miraculous. No coincidence there. And that is how the Lord will often speak to us. It's in a personal way, maybe in a way others will not even understand or scoff at. But in our heart, we perceive what the Lord is communicating. So in these examples we've considered so far, The Lord has shown his control over several physical elements, bread, water, wind, and fish. He's created some of it and controlled some of it, or we might say manipulated it. But I want to look at a couple of claims Jesus made that also relate to his power over the physical elements. On one occasion that I can think of, Jesus referred to making stones, do what stones by themselves simply can't do. Can you think of what I'm talking about, Scott? Well, I remember when the Pharisees told Jesus to tell the
0: people to stop praising him when he was entering Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And
1: Jesus said, if the people did not praise him, the stones would. That's the example I'm thinking of. Let's read the account. It's in Luke chapter 19, verses 37 to 40. Okay, Luke 19, 37.
0: And as he was now approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice
1: for all the miracles which they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the multitude said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered and said, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. <laughs> now, I don't know how Jesus would have made the stones make noise, but he made Adam out of the same material the stones are made of. True. So I'm sure he could have made stones cry out. But however it would have happened, that is an amazing claim Jesus made in that situation.
0: Well, Dr. Scripture, maybe he would have done what John the Baptist said God could do, make people out of stones. That's an excellent suggestion, Scott. When was that? Once again, Pharisees were involved, this time in a confrontation with John the Baptist, and he said something to the effect that God could raise up children to Abraham from the stones, which, like making stones cry out, isn't all that different from when God, that is God the Son, created Adam from the dust of the ground.
1: Dust, which is what rocks are made of, right? Exactly. Well, indeed, that exchange between John the Baptist and the Pharisees is in Matthew 3, 7 to 9. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he, that is, John the Baptist, said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bring forth fruit in keeping with Repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. (laughs) Wow, this is totally not on the subject. But I don't think John the Baptist would fit in very well with some of the modern seeker-friendly churches scattered across the country these days. (laughs) Not a bit. (laughs) (laughs) And please don't accuse me of judging all seeker-friendly churches. I'm just trying to imagine what kind of crowds some would be able to keep if that was the kind of preaching they heard when they expressed an interest in joining the church. But anyway, back to what the Baptist said about raising up children to Abraham from stones. What an interesting reference to the power and ability of the Creator.
0: Dr. Scripture, do you think John understood that it was actually the person of Jesus Christ who existed before the foundation of the world and who created all things?
1: Well, how much he understood about the deity of Jesus is something I don't think we can know for sure. But remember, John did say in John chapter 1 verses 29 and 30, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. Now John knew full well that he was conceived and born before Jesus. so. He certainly had some idea of the identity of Jesus who existed before he was born of Mary. John certainly didn't believe in reincarnation, so it seems like John would have had some idea that Jesus was divine. But what his specific role in creation was, well, that is revealed by the writers of the New Testament, which came after John was killed by Herod.
0: And at one point, John the Baptist even had his doubts about the identity of Jesus when he was stuck in prison. Mm-hmm. And Jesus didn't seem to be doing the things that John thought the Messiah would be doing when he was on earth.
1: Yes, even the greatest man born of woman, which is how Jesus described John, struggled to grasp the fullness of Jesus' identity. But you know, how can we comprehend the almighty creator of heaven and earth and all they contain, walking around in your neighborhood, Talking to people, eating with people, being criticized by people, getting tired and needing to bathe. What the Son of God was willing to do in order to save us is astounding. Given the humiliation he was willing to endure, how can we not humble ourselves to do whatever he asks of us? But finally, I want to consider one more example of Jesus' demonstration of his control of his creation, and that's his first public miracle. Which would be turning water into wine. Yes, a miracle that the apostle John refers to as a sign miracle. John two eleven says, this beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him.
0: I think I've heard that John records seven sign miracles of Jesus in his gospel, right?
1: I think that's right. But something very interesting about this first sign miracle is it's not one that is predicted in the Old Testament, at least as far as I know. Several passages in the Old Testament prophets reveal miracles that the Messiah will perform. In fact, they were signs that had to be fulfilled by Jesus to validate who he was. Remember, it was Jesus' reference to those fulfillments that he told John the Baptist's disciples to go back and tell John about, so that John would be reassured of Jesus' identity. That's right. So, how was Jesus turning water into wine, a sign of his identity, when it wasn't predicted in the Old Testament? Well, I submit it was a sign that pointed to his identity as the creator. He had total control over the elements taking what would have been simple water molecules and turning them into complex molecules, including proteins, sugars, and other carbohydrates that make up what the headmaster of the feast recognized as the best wine. Now, we mustn't forget that Jesus literally turned water into wine. That's how it was a sign. I mean, it was a miracle, not just some abstract thought. But what he did creating the best last was also a sign forecasting the better relationship that would be established in the new covenant. That relationship that we could have with God, that Jesus would make possible through the shedding of his blood and the sacrifice of his life for the forgiveness of our sins. A forgiveness that could only be accomplished by the divine Son of God. And so, We're reminded again that some of the Pharisees in the multitude, as Jesus traveled into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered and said, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. And that's not what I say. That's what scripture says.